0: Welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit We are your hostesses for the evening, or morning, or afternoon, or whenever you choose to listen That's up to you, wouldn't want to impose a specific time or anything You just listen when you can Anyway, I'm the deliciously devious Danielle, and with me is the macabre mummy, Melanie Hello And together, we are Zombie Fishbowl and today we are going to talk about horror films. Evil <laughs> laugh. But, but first. <clears throat> so Melanie, how are you? I'm good. Daniel, how are you? Oh, I'm not so great, but we'll get on with it. We're fine. I'm a little poorly, but we'll be we'll be okay. Just a little poorly, not a very big pauly, just a little pauly. Just
1: a small one.
0: Just a small one. I caught a disease on a train. That's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Update. We completely messed up the whole timeline of our minisodes. Mm. Yeah. We recorded it anticipating that we were going to release it before the release of the mermaid episode. And we changed our mind because it made sense to release the mermaid minisode after the mermaid episode. And... Yeah. So if that confused you, super sorry about it. But the whole principle of minisodes is that if we want to keep talking about crap, we're going to keep talking about crap. And we're going to make little tiny little short little episodes between episodes to <laughs> uh, have
0: fun with. Yes. There won't won't be prequels that will be very difficult to Explain. keep continuity yeah. So they will come out after episodes. Um yeah. That's probably got to do with combination of my announcing it, the way that we've introed and extroed it and all that sort of stuff. So sorry if it was confusing. It's so, our first mini Yeah.
1: We make our mistakes, we learn from them, and I'm excited for many more mini sodes to come.
0: And many more mistakes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <That's it. laughs>
0: All right. I don't have any updates other than that. Yeah.
1: But do you have anything to purge? So my purge is not so much a purge, but a, sort of like a life update. I'm taking care of an extra cat right now. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so my my best friend and my ex-wife um, is currently in a, a bit of a, a pinch as far as um, where she's staying, she's working out a new place to live, and in the meantime, cannot have her kitty, Dee, with her. Mm-hmm. Now, Dee is a beautiful, like calico, long-haired, um, completely blind cat. Yeah. So y'all can expect some pictures of the D- of Miss Didi. She's adorable. She doesn't like anybody because she's scared of everything. Because I mean, right now she's she's still getting used to. The situation, and she's in my daughter's room, so Willow, my daughter, loves cats so much but she doesn't really give regard to whether the cat wants affection or not Right Yeah, so she she's gotten real good she understands that if Dee Dee's ears are back she's not feeling it and sometimes she'll hiss, but she's so cute because she doesn't have some of her teeth so no. her hiss, instead of being a <sighs> is more of a <sighs> It's like it's like air escaping. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so cute. Aww, a little cat needs extra TLC. Yes, so I'm giving her lots of love, and she's she's not really eating because she's stressed out and misses her mama. Mm. But Jesse comes over like every day, so that's nice. Gives her love. Um, I got her to eat just a little bit yesterday. So yeah, just send all the love to Dee Dee. She needs she needs some extra. Magic love because she's in she's in kind of like a she's not very happy right now.
0: Poor thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh well. I hope DD Dee Dee settles in. And she can't... will. She's let, she
1: let me brush her belly today, so that was like huge.
0: That is a big deal.
1: Yeah, because for the most part, if I touch her, I can touch her around her head, and I can brush her back and her head, and she'll be fine. But if I get anywhere near her belly, she'll go. <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair most cats are like that they don't like <laughs> yeah. Much. But they just... <sighs> yeah but she's long hair so if i don't brush it and she's doing nothing but sleeping she gets these mats i already had to cut a little knot out of her fur in her chest um so i need to i need to brush it or else she's gonna just be a naughty mess yeah, i
0: know that feeling i've got a long hair Patrick is a big fluff ball and he's covered in mats because he doesn't like his belly being touched. Ah. I was trying to get one this morning and I nearly had it, you know, like just like nearly had the mat off. Like I'd worked it, worked it. And it's like hanging on by like just a few bits of fur. And then he was like, no, I've had enough now. Bye.
1: And off Ah. he went. So I got no problem being clawed at by cats. Like that doesn't bother me, but because she's still so nervous. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give her any other extra reasons to be scared of yeah. where she's at. Once she feels more comfortable, yeah, I'm going to pick the pick her up, and I'm going to brush her, and she's going to fucking deal with it. But <laughs> until then, yeah, I have to kind of be like, I'm so sorry, little thing. <laughs> wow. All right. So that's my purge, which is okay. not so much a purge, but just, yeah. That's it.
0: <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. My Purge is selected from my list that I've created in my post-cigarette grumpy gaze. Yeah. Grumpy haze. I just
1: belched Um, at you. I'm sorry about that.
0: Sorry? I just belched at you. Sorry about
1: that.
0: You bitch. (laughs) How (laughs) dare you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I've got episodes of The Next Generation I could be watching right now. (laughs) but instead I'm here getting belched at
1: (laughs) it's because I love you I belch because I love
0: yeah that's what I say to Turner all the time (laughs) Um, so this is selected from my list which is about 25 strong at the moment just little things just little things that are niggling so this is one of those things You know when you're filling out an online form and you have to go to another tab for whatever reason and then when you go back to the online form it has reset? Yeah. I really fucking fucking hate that so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that feeling so well.
0: I'm just building this overwhelming feeling of rage right now. Thinking about it. I had to get an order number from another tab. So I got the order number from the other tab and went back to the original tab. And all of my information was gone. And I thought, it's 2019! This shouldn't happen anymore!
1: (laughs) Oh! You were so lucky you don't have kids. (laughs) What? What? You're so lucky you don't have kids. Everything (laughs) is on the fucking internet right now, and it happens all the time. Oh, no, I
0: fill out plenty of online forms. I'm a student.
1: Oh, fair enough, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's my purge. I'm not going to bore you with any more, because everybody right now is probably feeling that rage.
1: Oh, yeah, I I think think all of us can identify to that. Fuck that.
0: Yeah. Right. So let's get it out of out of our system so we can enjoy this episode.
1: All right. You ready? Yeah. One,
0: two, three. Right. That felt good. Yeah. That was a deep one.
1: Yeah, because I actually took your rage for your purge and I expelled it through the breath. And it was it was all really it was good. It was a good moment right then.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I let go of a rage I didn't know I had. <laughs> I gave you it and then you got rid of it almost yeah. immediately. Yeah,
1: that was that was really, really effective. That's good.
0: That's good. But let's not talk of it more or else it will manifest itself.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Right. So today's episode is horror cinema or horror films or horror genre entertainment in general, and I have kind of written a crash course in horror cinema, so we've got some history and background with some examples, some callbacks to earlier episodes, after each decade we are going to have a little stop and talk about our favourite films and horror entertainment of that era, so without further ado, I shall begin our crash course in horror cinema
1: fantastic I needed to do it I'm sorry I I might do it a lot I'm sorry it's okay I will just exclaim evil
0: laugh because I can't do an evil laugh (laughs) the horror genre in general stems from gothic literature which we talked about in episode 3 the popular genre that pretty much developed as a thing during uh, the 17th and 18th centuries in Europe The very first horror films, so we're talking really early, really early 1890s, are really quite surreal and disturbing pieces of short storytelling. Um, They blend a bunch of different art forms and construct them to suit um, a brand new medium, the one which will come to rule them all uh, cinema. Aesthetically, they draw on the visual styles of expressionist painters and of spirit photographers. Now, spirit photography, which we mentioned in the Haunted Objects episode, had been super popular since like the 1860s. And people would recognize paranormal and spiritual themes if presented to them in this style. And combined with expressionist art, another recognizable visual style, you've got a genre that's hot to trot. Nice. Nice. Early filmmakers could use their knowledge of photographic trickery to make their short films, and boy, did they. They began to explore darker stories with psychological and supernatural themes, and they draw upon the folklore and legends of Europe and even create monsters that would be familiar from childhood stories and nightmares. The term horror won't be used to describe a film until the 1930s. At the time, they called them spook tales. Oh, so cute. Oh my
1: God. It's
0: so cute. That's darling. Oh, it's wonderful wonderful. tales, my favourite. <laughs> Technically, the first horror film would be by the visionary illusionist and cinema pioneer Georges Méliès, who brought us Trip to the Moon and yeah. all our just amazing films. And it's called the House of the Devil, or if you want to be pedantic, La Manure du Diable. Yeah, some French yeah, nailed thing. it. Uh, that was 1896, so that proper beginning of cinema. That, and it's only about three minutes long, as all films are, because that's how long the uh, that's how much film they could fit into a camera was only three minutes long. That's why all all films are th- three minutes max. Did you know that? no I did not it had something to do with they could only make a film three minutes long in the early early yeah, days yeah. 1890s 1900s because there was only they could only fit so much film and I think it was three minutes long so there's like the great train robbery and stuff like that it's only three minutes long because that's the maximum amount of film that they could yeah. use they're like little dreams yeah they are totally yes Yeah, they really are. And Little Nightmares in this case. Um, Especially with the the Manure de Diable. um, Which I recommend you go and check out. It's on YouTube. Um, It has all the good stuff. So, frolicking men in tights, bats, devils, witches, cauldrons, ghosts, trolls, poofs of smoke. It's wonderful. Nice. So, that's like sort of the, I would say the, the, the 1890s and the 1910s. It's kind of dominated by... Um, these three-minute shorts that are played um, as part of a multi-selection um, of things mm-hmm. in the cinema, so people would go and 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 watch these things, but it wouldn't just be that. So that would be one thing that was on, yeah. and then there would be like, t- um, you know, uh, one of the um uh, most popular things that they did was literally just ride around towns filming people. Huh yeah they literally just would ride around in little towns filming people but they'd have a sign on the side of their truck that says we'll be showing this um cinema scope at the nickelodeon at eight o'clock kind of thing nice and people would show up just to see themselves huh on camera yeah nice so that That yeah i feel like that's like exactly how humans have always been we're just like slaves to our own vanity like yeah i want to go see myself on the big screen and they didn't even know what a big screen was then
1: <laughs> brand new <laughs> just bring the whole family i was walking down the street i might actually be on the thing
0: exactly That's children awesome. running after the camera
1: being the cheeky little devils yeah. oh yeah
0: There's not much really to talk about early cinema in terms of of horror, other than they sort of found inspiration from these um, spirit photographs and uh, from expressionist art and things like that. But it kind of, it's the foundations of of, of everything that is horror, really. Yeah, that's awesome. important to acknowledge. The, so that's the early years covered. There's not really much we can chat about But the 20s was the era of the great silent horrors mm-hmm. So we've got Nosferatu And Cabinet of Dr. Caligari Are the two that are the standouts Of the era Um Funny thing about Nosferatu Is that uh it doesn't Meet our modern aesthetics For a horror film In yeah. the way that They had to use quite bright sets In order for the actor to stand out. Yeah. So we would consider, we, you know, like if we had a vampire film, we would set it very dark and we would set it very somber and, and spooky. Well, they had to use bright colours in the yeah. print or else you wouldn't be able to see what the hell was going on. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a jolt because Nosferatu is actually quite a bright film. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about it. Well, yeah, but they... They would. They'd have to keep everything really, really bright just to have it show up, or it also awesome. just looking at a blur. Yeah. We um just just to to interject for a second. You've seen Shadow of the Vampire, yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Many times. So my one of my favorite double bills that I like to do at least once every five years is to do my Nasratu and Shadow of the Vampire uh, double bill. It's yeah. it's like the greatest time, ever. It's because true. Nosferatu was was genuinely really kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I thought I thought that that uh, uh, Max Schreck, yep. right? Yeah, was was genuinely really frightening. And and uh, yeah, I fucking I love Nosferatu. I'm not much on older horror movies for some terrible reason, because I'm just a, a dork. But that one always gets me.
0: Oh, I, I'm, I, I, agree with you, and I also think Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is rightfully, um, a piece of, um, cinema, um, you know, royalty. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's disturbing in different ways that Nosferatu is. Nosferatu is disturbing in that the character of, um, the Count mm-hmm. is creepy and disgusting and gross and weird. Yeah. But in Cabinet it's more about the sets and the environment in which yeah the incredible characters are living sets. yeah, yeah. I fucking it's that's that expressionist art yes so that ticks all those boxes for being inspired by firstly expressionist art secondly folklore because it's it's german folklore
1: yeah
0: um, and it it's it's if you've not seen these two Early films, they're the two that you've got it. If you've never watched yeah. a silent movie in your life, you you go watch. Go, you can't go anywhere to watch them anymore, but you <laughs> seek them out and and watch them. They're they're only like half an hour long as well. You've got
1: no excuse. Yeah, they're really short and they're yeah. so worth it. The, yeah, um, <laughs> I think my favorite is that after having seen Shadow of the Vampire, it's very hard for me to just imagine anything other than Eddie Izzard's voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know and John <laughs> yeah, and, and that's all I can hear. And I can just see that scene where um uh Willem Dafoe is explaining why it's so sad that he has to had to make his own food and prepare his own, clean his own home. Just fucking oh it was so good.
0: It was it's so great. good because it's actually full of comedy moments as well. I don't think that oh, yeah. people realize it. There's a scene where the um suddenly a door opens and light casts in and Willem Defoe just goes like
1: yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, that movie has me nearly crying my pants with laughter like every other minute. Willem Defoe <laughs> is the funniest fucking person in the on the planet. I'm convinced. He's the best I think face. It's all
0: the good fun. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, I don't think people highly rate that film, but I really enjoy it.
1: But it's, yeah, it does not get a nearly enough love.
0: I, I wonder why it gets, it's sort of not, uh, regarded very well. I think it's quite, good. it's got an all star cast, it's got great sets, great story, really interesting, funny in parts, dark yeah. in other parts, really good. I, th- I think it was too
1: dark for the era because, like, when did that movie come out?
0: That was got
1: to be 2002, 2003. Uh, 2000, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I saw it in theatres. I saw it in the theatre. <laughs> Let's see.
0: How do we segue? Segue now, segue. Segue. Um, segue. So we've talked about the early years and we've talked about the 1920s, but now what happens in the 1930s? Suddenly we have... Screams! Because the talkies come in. Now the cinema has sounds, we can have grunts, howls, and terrifying noises to help us get in the mood. The early 30s were a high point for horror, with icons like Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff making the classics like Frankenstein and Dracula and the Mermaid. Basically the universal monsters. The early 30s were definitely a golden era for these monster movies. And Hollywood was having a grand old time. Now, before we talk about the golden era of Hollywood. I need to do a little bit of background. And then we'll come back to talking about this era of horror. You have to remember... That the infamous Hayes Code came into effect in 1930 in Hollywood. So, there were a lot of rules and regulations that controlling the production of American films at this time. And this eventually leads to a very, very disappointing slump in the popularity of horror. So, for those of you who aren't aware, the Hayes Code or the production code was a set of criteria which a film must abide by to achieve a particular level of decency and a very particular moral standard. There was at the time a lot of Conservative Catholic moral panic Of course About the raunchiness and decadence of cinema
1: Friggin white people
0: Yeah I know seriously Especially how it might affect And influence the youth Does this sound familiar? Oh yeah (laughs) So the government was threatening to get involved Okay So to avoid government censorship The studios agreed to find a way To self-regulate so in comes Will Hayes, a former Postmaster General. And if you've ever read any Pratchett, you'll know that Postmaster Generals are very multi-talented, but not very trustworthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but he was also a former Republican politician.
1: Yeah.
0: And he was asked to become the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America and put together a set of rules for the industry. Yeah. and am yeah, she's scowling, it's not great <laughs> The code itself, it gets better The code itself was written by a Jesuit priest And a devout Roman Catholic newspaper editor <laughs> <Okay. Jesus. laughs> And it's predictably very morally conservative It sets very narrow standards based on very particular values Particularly white, particularly Catholic Particularly patriarchical patriarchal. patriarchal. <laughs> I'm leaving right. that in And heteronormative so, we're talking all the all the shit we're trying to still break away from now.
1: Yeah, so just suck all the fun out of it, really.
0: Yes, pretty much. But, 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 but. The Hays Code does come into place on, uh, I have an exact date for you, March 31st, 1930. Hey! <laughs> um, for the next 30 years or so, Hollywood is forced to find ever more inventive, subtle, and symbolic ways of telling storytelling of telling stories. So these constraints imposed by the code are probably responsible for the golden era of Hollywood in general, because of forcing so much creativity on the part of writers, directors, and actors.
1: Yeah.
0: Unfortunately though, post-code horror movies tended to be very restrained and predictable and with none of the inventiveness or playfulness of the early stuff so at the end of the 30s they were regarded as basically kind of shit and were not very popular at all audiences preferred new genres like noir and heroic war films and even bloody romance despite all the restriction In fact, probably because they had to be so clever and creative about how they depicted sex, lust, and desire and stuff, that's probably what made romance so popular.
1: Yeah. So horror films... Sorry? Sorry. It was (laughs) all implied.
0: Yes. And people ate it up. Yeah. So by the end of the 30s, horror films were basically relegated to B productions made on shoestring budgets, and it would be decades before the genre recovered. Mm-hmm. So people might not be aware that at the time that these icons of horror were being created at Universal, you know, we're talking about The Mummy, we're talking about yeah. Frankenstein, we're talking about, you know, Bela Lugosi and that at this time, those were those were made and they were extremely popular and then suddenly, poof. Horror just took a complete nosedive because they just couldn't keep up with the code, basically. Yeah. I've just realized that I forgot one of my favorites. Oh no. Yeah. What'd from the do? nineteen tw- from nineteen twenty-five, I forgot to mention it. So, do you mind if I just really quickly talk about it? Do it. Do it. People might think that this is one of the Universal monsters, so it is kind of relevant. Yeah. It's not one of the Universal Monsters. It predates them by about eight years. It's The Phantom of the Opera.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And yes. that is one of my favourite horror films of all time. It is disgusting and disturbing and beautiful and just, it's perfect film for yeah. that era in that I have a very particular set of aesthetics that I like from my old black and white cinema and I have a very particular sense of storytelling I can differentiate between a story being told in 1925 and and a story being told in 2005 and the Phantom of the Opera is just perfection and it's his it's not it wasn't created during this golden era it was in 1925 when it was still getting when horror was still getting up on its feet so I think it's it it it, you know it deserves all the plaudits that it gets because it's it's a wonderful film.
1: Was that Universal as well?
0: Uh, I it might have been Universal. I don't know for sure, but I just know it wasn't part of those. Yeah, um, uh, you
1: know,
0: Yeah, the 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 ones that everybody knows.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it might have been RKO. I'm not sure.
1: God, no clue. No,
0: I, I'm. You know, we're horror fans, but we're not horror fanatics.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and my my preferred uh preferred films do come a little bit later on so i yeah i admittedly don't know much about the older ones and that makes me a monster and i'm sorry i'm working on it
0: it's okay i mean i've not got i've got melanie and i both have films that we're gonna have special mentions of for each like sort of decade if we if we have one what how how did freaks get away with
1: it in the 1930s, just like, <laughs> if everyone had to be so fucking careful with how they're presenting their stories, I'm just like wondering how freaks got away with it. Is freaks American? That's a good question.
0: Because remember, I'm being very, and I had to um, apologize. Yeah, but it. it's
1: a pre-code horror film. There we go. Yeah, because it's
0: 1930. It's
1: 1932, but they may have made it before. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay cool answered my question thank you google
0: (laughs) but it is american yes it is yeah because i i I have to apologize to the people listening on this side of the pond i am very i'm going to be very sort of uh american centric in this one Uh, i do mention some stuff obviously personally um about british cinema but my history of horror kind of comes from the states and it's not because i think that their horror history is superior. It's literally just that um, that was the information I was looking at and it is incredibly dominant as well. Yes. So I do... Don't worry, I do mention things later about, about British and, cinema. I got some British cinema
1: mentions as well. So,
0: yeah. you
1: know. And right. also... Right, okay. So,
0: yes, yeah, So we've got the Universal Monsters. Fantastic. Again, I... They're not my favourites either. I think they're great. I love...
1: Frankenstein? Yeah. And, and we, Frankenstein. Wouldn't, we wouldn't have what we have if it weren't for them. So like there's no disregarding the huge impact that they had. Um and still have. Uh from from pop culture to like to everything. I mean, mm-hmm. in my shop I have at least two or three Bride of Frankenstein or Frankenstein paintings like hanging on my uh shop walls. So I mean, I love them and I respect them the movies themselves though most of them honestly I haven't even seen <laughs> yeah I
0: think I, I I think I did like a, a, per, a, a like a like a binge of them at one point where I watched a bunch all all together um and haven't really watched them since but I am a fan of the like you say that sort of observing the the foundations of horror and yeah. being, oh that's where this becomes a trope because sort of seamlessly segueing into the 1940s (laughs) it's so unremarkable that the special stuff is particularly special so the the 1940s is when those tropes really started to come about because they were not being very creative they were in this slump they weren't very popular Um, and so the horror that survives in the memory from the 1940s it's very, very slim. Very, yeah. very slim. Uh, but we do get Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is a great one. The Wolfman, if you're into that. I'm I'm really not into yeah. The Wolfman, but people do find that one quite fun. Cat People. Which I was going to say Cat People. Yeah, Cat People's fantastic. And then another one that is one of my absolute favourite horror films. Um, it comes right in at the end of the 40s. Um And that is called The Queen of Spades. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Right. I am not going to spoil it, but it is a film that I highly recommend that you uh, seek out and and watch. It is beautiful and it is surprising and it is creative and it's dark and it is brooding and it is just everything horror films should be. And you can see that it inspires films like The House on Haunted Hill yeah. Um, later you know what becomes a lot later and you can tell it influenced a lot of horror um talent later
1: yeah
0: you go wow there's no way that such and such a director didn't see this there's no way that this movie was made without that yeah yeah of that film it's definitely so queen of spades it's from 1949 highly recommend yeah that is a that is a cinema files film
1: yeah and also uh-huh. the 1940s gave us Abbott and Costello, eh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So, right, okay. so I st- was,
0: <laughs> I was very deliberately not mentioning that. <laughs> well, I mean, because it's, it's so, st- much so <laughs> sad. It's so sad. It, Frankenstein was this like monster, this behemoth of Hollywood. And then by the end of the 1940s, he's with Abbott and Costello.
1: Well, how many fucking Frankenstein and Dracula uh, knockoff movies came out in the 70s? You know, uh, Ghost of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, Frankenstein Meets Wolfman. You know, so much of that. Uh, So it was just natural that that had to happen. (laughs) It turned into a joke.
0: Yeah, the the joke of it. And it's on, you know, the only way that it could get people in is to buy it hooking people in through comedy because yes. comedy was more popular. Comedy is the most consistently popular genre of all cinema and oh, yeah. yet so underrepresented when it comes to awards. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: suppose yeah. you're right. Because I think because it makes us laugh, people just, it, they don't take it seriously, you know? So it really doesn't, doesn't deserve it in, in some way. Yeah. I, I disagree. I think, I think uh, comedy is just as important as a good drama
0: yeah well it's a it's a very particular craft to be able to construct a funny film yeah and for it to be consistently funny and translate to lots of different cultures as well um i you know you get people that don't know english watching laurel and hardy because yeah it's it although they don't understand necessarily what they're saying it's fucking funny to watch but yeah, no, com- comedy's been pretty popular for the entire time cinema's been a thing. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's kind of looked down on as a one of the, the lesser, uh, what's the word? Uh, Genres. L- lower l- lower entertainment or whatever it's called when you're talking about classical. What's it
1: called? Yeah.
0: You've got high and low, high culture, high culture, low culture. So ah. co- comedy is considered low culture for some bizarre reason. Everybody loves a laugh.
1: Yeah, holy! I think it's because it's like the the most human thing that we could do is to just chuckle at, you know, slapstick or um, yeah, bad joke, fart noises, whatnot. When you think of comedy, or I think on a, on a highbrow note, you think of comedy. You think fart jokes, and you just kind of like that's you're doing it wrong. That's not what comedy is. That's a part of comedy. That's a aspect of com- comedy. But uh, no, I but I love dark comedy. So there's there's me. I. I don't like fart jokes and and things like that. They don't make me laugh. But give me some really good dark comedy, like uh, how to head, how to get ahead in advertising or something like that, and I'm I'm over the moon. I like
0: a subtle satire, yeah. but I'm British, so it's kind yeah. of required.
1: <laughs> See, I was watching British comedy more so than American comedy, so that's that's foundation of my humor too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: a little snide remark here or there. Anyway, we're not talking about comedy. Oops. We're talking about horror. Right. We're getting <coughs> into the 1950s now, and things are going to start getting ridiculous. Are you ready? Yes. Right. So, the 1950s brings us the beamer, the B-movie smorgasbord. board. De- yeah. Depending on your leanings, some of the best worst horror ever. Yes. But we've got to contend with the 70s when we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Now, I love me some cheese. So, a lot of this stuff holds a very special place in my heart. And most infamously, we get the creature feature. So,
1: mm. here
0: comes, you know, giant radioactive insects and things from under the water. And we've got monsters left, right, and center. We also get the sci fi horror mashups. Because they love an alien invasion film. And mm-hmm. we're going to count them in horror. Because they are horror slash sci-fi.
1: Yeah.
0: They absolutely are. I will fight you. <laughs> some, <laughs> some notable mentions. Will have to be the blob. Yeah. Right. Come on. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Which featured yeah. stop animation by Ray Harryhausen. So shout out to Ray. <laughs> the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which scares the shit out of me. And also, although he has been around in the industry for 20 years already, the 50s marked the certifiable establishment of the one and only Vincent Price in the house on Haunted Hill in
1: 1959.
0: Yeah. So, what do, what films do you like from the 50s, Melanie? Well,
1: I can't not mention Gozira.
0: Gozira, yeah. Godzilla. One
1: of the best creature features <laughs> no it is it's creature
0: features I'm, I'm monster films kind of get meshed together in my yeah. head um so if I call something a creature feature that's actually a monster movie or a monster movie a creature feature. I don't mean any disrespect they're all just kind of the same
1: yeah and if you're gonna get hung up over it just get over it all right I'm yeah
0: seriously that's just the wrong podcast for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> so 1950s to me Marks one of my favorite things in the world. Ed Wood Jr. movies. Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Ed I actually Wood, completely Ed forgot Wood. about Ed Wood. <laughs> Pride of the Monster, baby. I fucking love Ed Wood so much. He's a hot mess. Bless his heart. He is. I, I like to think, you know, U.A. Bull?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, is that he's how like, you say it? I have no idea. I don't know if it's Uve or, or Uwe or U. I've always just said U ball. <laughs> yeah, you know it is probably U ball. But I, I don't I, know. Yeah, no clue. No
0: idea. Um,
1: but yeah, I like to think of him as sort of like the modern day, or the, the Ed Wood of the two thousands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, God. I fucking love. I love <laughs> Ed Wood. <laughs> just <which laughs> one
0: where he's got Matthew Lillard. And um, um, Ray Liotta? Ray
1: Liotta is the wizard or some shit. Oh, well, it's what the is that? Best! <laughs> best. Um, oh god, what's the name of that movie? I can't even remember. <laughs> oh, the- or something? Was it some version of King
0: Arthur? No, it wasn't.
1: No. Oh no, it was uh, In the Name of the King, I think.
0: Oh my god. Uh, sorry guys, that's a little bit of an aside, but that's a U Bowl film you've just gotta
1: see. You have to see it. It's <laughs> the worst. Ever you got Jason Statham as a simple farmer. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> it's like a huge cast of people. Yeah, Ray Liotta as an evil wizard. Matthew Lillard <clears throat> as a prince. I think it's got um, oh uh, oh god, oh god, what's his name? Oh shit! Hold on, hold on, because it's like my favorite part of the the casting. Oh god, Burt Reynolds. Oh Burt right. Reynolds okay, okay, as okay. the king. It's just genius, and uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you think whenever my brain goes to Ed Lee, it also goes to you, Bull. Um, apologies. <laughs> Ed Lee? Uh, Ed Wood. <laughs> Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, I think Ed Wood, my brain goes to you, Bull. It's just a natural progression for me. But yeah, I mean, I, I love all the creature features. I love them, you know, the giant ants. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. You, you have so many great... Great movies, *The Fly*, mm-hmm. um, *Creature from the Black Lagoon*. Now, those
0: films are in, uh, were introduced to me through the genius that is Mystery Science Theater. Yes. Because otherwise, I would never have been able to see these films, these 1950s creature features and sci-fi messes. So, you know, those of you who are delaying in
1: watching Mystery Science Theater, get off your ass. You will be yeah. educated. I was literally just about to say that, like all of these, if if you can't if you can't watch them on your own, which on one hand I completely understand. Yeah, they are awful. Yeah, a good amount of them are not great. <laughs> um, some of them are genuinely great, but some of them, most of, a lot of them, not particularly fun. Mystery Science Theater will help you through and will bring you life. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, I will say Invasion of the Body Snatchers Though the original Invasion of Body Snatchers Is terrifying Yeah, it was good and disturbing Yeah, um, so that's one that you don't need to watch Through the medium of comedy Because it will, it will disturb you Also, is the Time Machine The 50s? Not sure With those horrible, ashy White monster things About 60s, I think Time Machine, 1960 Oh, so we're we're t- tagging on to the end of the fifties. It'll be made in the fifties, come yes. out in nineteen sixties. So I'm, we're gonna technically say that it's a transitional horror film <laughs> as we transition into the sixties, which brings us now, Hitchcock's been around for a bit, but he starts making his horror movies. He's made horror he's he's not so much dabbled in horror yet, but this is the fucking era of Psycho and the birds.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We also get Hammer Horror Now we've already talked about that in Gothic Horror So I'm not going to go into it again here We've already talked about Hammer Horror But this is the era of the Hammer Horror films That's what's going on in British cinema right now 1960s, you're pumping out The good stuff Yeah. And there's also a lot of new subgenres Of horror coming out In the 60s, the chiller And the splasher, which was referred to as the Splatter film Mm -hmm. Zombie movies the emergence of this uh, paranoia about satanic cults for some reason. Satanic panic again. Uh-huh. Um, there are so many great movies, horror films in the 60s. Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, The Haunting. The dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peeping mm-hmm. Tom. Now, horror is getting back to business. This is a return to form for, for horror. However, as you alluded to earlier, what else is going on in the 60s, Melanie? Oh wait. <laughs> uh what was I alluding to? Hold on, my brain uh, I... Oh, sorry. I thought that maybe you would remember, but you didn't. But you started to talk about the fact that there was still the B movie bollocks going on. But
1: actually that's oh, the seventies. Yeah. yeah. It it doesn't yeah, it doesn't stop. We're we're camping on old horror movie tropes for, for decades and yeah, it's still going strong in the seventies.
0: 60s? Yeah, 60s and 70s and it just it gets worse in the 70s i kind of put melanie on the spot there and i feel kind of bad sorry melanie i'm gonna <laughs> take a moment to apologize <laughs> melanie's face is going what? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like trying to rewind in my brain I'm like, what did i
1: say i said a and, lot of stuff
0: and i was wrong anyway because she was alluding to the 70s not the the 60s uh <laughs> but yeah the 60s
1: yeah do you want to talk about any 60s films 60s gave me probably some of my favorite horror in the sense that this this was these were the movies that i can still watch and go back and watch and still be frightened by um whereas you know a lot of the older ones they they don't scare the way that they they scared back then Mm -hmm. um but black sunday can still disturb me rosemary's baby can still disturb me um the haunting uh one of my favorites was I just I just saw it. I have my my list going. Oh, Spider Baby. Yeah, yeah. Spider Baby, man. Um, this is where I first saw Sid Haig as Ralph, mm-hmm. and I I love 60s horror. I I mean, as I've mentioned, I'm just a fucking horror fanatic in general. Um, but 60s horror always just brings me great joy. You got Blood Feast. You got Pit in the Pendulum. Uh, there's so many wonderful things. Spider-Baby in particular makes me super, yeah. super happy. Christopher Lee floun- flouncing around the place. Kill, baby, kill. Like you said, Night of the Living Dead, which was mm-hmm. so important.
0: Yeah, just... and they really ate real horrible things. Yeah.
1: I just can't watch
0: it knowing that those are real kidneys and livers and stuff. Yeah. Oh, when did... um? While you're looking at that, it's important to note that colour was kind of just... It was shifting. Colour color was shifting, yeah, because there were films in the 50s that were in colour, and there were colour films in the 60s as well, but it was kind of still a half-and-half half scenario going on in the 60s. Yeah. It's not really till the 70s that you're getting 100% colour and yeah. so you get horror which is like Night of the Living Dead which is still in black and white and The Haunting which is still in black and white but then you've also got Rosemary's Baby in the later 60s where you're very much in colour and also the slasher films are filmed in colour because obviously you want to see that blood, blood
1: splattering up the walls well it's interesting with the 1960s is you can tell people feel like they can get away with more yeah, yeah. suddenly the Hazax is
0: not it's not a thing anymore
1: yeah so i mean you can see it you can see where the restraint just kind of went away with like blood and black lace and and blood feast for example mm-hmm. <laughs> just saying <laughs> if you google the term
0: 1960s horror with the quote blood i think that you'll probably find a thousand films yeah. with the term blood in its title it is it's a gory gory era and it only gets gorier as we go into the 70s, which has yeah. probably got to be one of the best eras for for horror yeah. um, we're coming into the 70s. But not one of the best eras for horror genre, but not my particular favorite horror era. We'll get into yeah. that later. My favorite of all time comes from the 70s, which I will tell you about shortly, but Horror is going to start getting really awesome in the 70s. Yeah. So this is where all of the ones that you've definitely seen are from. The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Omen, Carrie, Halloween. We've yeah. got Dario Gento making his mad shit in Italy. Alien happens. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead. David Lynch comes in to say hi with a razor head. We get Wes Craven um, with The Hills Have Eyes. And my favourite personal horror film, because we, we uh, get this whole new genre of horror, which is folk horror, um, my number one favourite horror film of all time, The Wicker Man. Knew
1: it! Nailed it. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> she put her finger up to stop me, but I didn't let her. I wasn't stopping you. I was just waiting, and I'm all like, she's going to say
0: Wicker Man? She's going to say Wicker Man? Wicker Man. The Wicker <laughs> Man. The Wicker Man. Oh, Jesus Christ! That's my Edward <laughs> Woodward. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, if you've not seen The Wicker Man, you have to. And I will even allow it if you've only seen the remake with Nick Cage, because that movie also brings me joy, but on a different level.
1: In a totally different way. <laughs> Completely. How did it get burned? <laughs>
0: Anyway, the original Wicker Man is a beautiful folk horror film from from here in you know Britain, and it stars Christopher Lee and Edward Woodward and an ensemble of beautiful people, m- making an absolutely quintessentially British folk horror film, and it is beautiful and gorgeous. And you need to, you know if you've not seen it, please watch it, and then watch the Wicker Man remake and go, what the fuck? What did you do? How is this the same movie?
1: Oh, yeah, I love 70s horror. It's so good. Phantasm. Fucking phantasm. And one you forgot to mention. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun.
0: Jaws. Now, I omitted... Jaws from my list because I'm not necessarily in agreement that it's a horror film now I do I do see the argument that it's kind of a it's a monster movie no it's a creature feature yeah but I see Jaws as this is going to sound horrible but a little bit more high culture than horror in that I think that it's not necessarily about the shark now, okay. this is where
1: I'm going to start... Um, you got real deep with Jaws, didn't you?
0: Yeah. It's because I really like this uh, um, um, movie critic over here called Mark Kermode. Okay. And he has, like, written a book about this. <laughs> about how, like... If, well, I'm sure he's either written a book about it or it's a chapter in his book or whatever. But he talks about how Jaws isn't about the shark. No, it's yeah. About, yeah, it's about all the things. So... I think that it's. I'm so hung up on the fact that that Jaws is actually a little deeper than it lets on. Uh, that I haven't got it in my horror genre pile, but okay, I can comfortably allow someone to argue that it's a horror film.
1: It's definitely a horror film. Sorry, um, but
0: have <laughs> when was the last time you watched Jaws?
1: Actually, relatively recently, probably okay. within the last year. Okay, yeah, Jaws. You know, yeah, I had it in my head as. As scary when I was a kid. And then I recently watched Riff Tracks doing Jaws. You know Riff Tracks? No. Girl, you are missing so much right now. Okay, so the Mystery Science Theater crew, the original crew, um, they go around and they riff on movies in much the same way Mm
0: -hmm. as
1: Mystery Science Theater. Um, And they've done, like, Twilight. They've done so many movies. And they did Jaws. And... It was so entertaining to watch because on one hand I'm watching it and going, yeah, man, the people suck. You just you're watching it and you just get, you're more mad at the people than the shark, yeah, for sure, absolutely. But I mean, on on the whole thing that the real monster is not the shark. How does that make that any less horror? I mean, with like the mist, for example, the monsters are there, but the scary shit that's happening is all because of the people. Yeah, and I will. That's what I think good horror does, like really proper horror should make you not only maybe recognize that the monster or the bad guy, the murderer, the antagonist, psychopath, um, whatever is really just the situation that these people are in to show you how humans are frail or fundamentally just wrong or you know something like that i think that horror really is important in showing you aspects of human nature and the the creatures the antagonists whatever are really just sort of like the method to get you to that conclusion
0: yeah i agree 100% yeah, so I will put Jaws back into the horror pile. Um, and especially since you mentioned the mist because that was one of the special mentions that I was going to say when we got to the 2000s mm-hmm. It is about how horrific we are to each other as humans. So, you know, um whether or it's
1: a lot of good horror does that. Um uh D- Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, uh Day of the Dead, like almost pretty much every fucking zombie movie. Is uh, giving you messages like that. Walking Dead, regardless of where it's gone or how you know how you feel about it, the zombies are just the environment. Uh, it's really about showing you how humans are in these situations, and it's 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 important. I think it's like, I to me it's it's an important thing. Um, and this my, is
0: my... where the message becomes clear in the seventies when you get these sort of quality horror films the message is starting to come across like horror is more than just you know slap dashing and mm-hmm. s- and jump scares
1: you're getting things that you're having to think about and you have that i mean there there are plenty of horror movies that are just there to be gross just to, to spray blood at the camera you got plenty of horror movies that are just there to like freak you out or gross you out dario Gento's is great for that yeah. um, i really
0: the- don't like dario Gento. I don't particularly blame you. But Turner loves him. He loves him. Really? And he talks about Suspiria and stuff. Oh yeah. And I fucking, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just makes me laugh at how right. absurd it is.
1: That's kind of how I feel about um... oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? He did Eraserhead. Talking, You're not think thinking I... of David Lynch are you? David Lynch wow Yeah, I'm unfortunately not a huge David Lynch fan. I like everything that he does except for when he gets typically Lynchy. Like I love Twin Peaks except for the last episode because it's so just it's so fucking Lynch and it just I hate it. I hate it. So,
0: you guys can't see this but I actually have like a picture of David Lynch behind me. I don't even think <laughs> Melanie can see it, but it's up there on my shelf. So I went to a recent art exhibit <laughs> Okay, I will let you have it Because actually there's very few um, David Lynch films that I don't like It's just that I really like him And I think that that translates over into his art for me Because I like him so much as a a person And I think that he's so wonderful as a person That when I go and view his art I think he understands mental health in a way that translates and speaks to me uh, His own mental health and the mental health of others sort of like that dark place in your mind. I think he understands very well. Um, But I will agree with you that his films can be very hard to palette. And and I will agree with you. There are things that I wish to rewatch now. Yeah. Because I've not watched them since the first time I saw them. And actually the first time I saw them, I didn't like them. Uh, Mulholland Drive, I didn't like the first time.
1: Um, Do you know how many times I've watched Mulholland Drive? No. I have watched that movie. I'm not even joking. Like seven times and i still cannot tell you what that fucking movie's about right.
0: <laughs> sometimes and, though that's the point of lynch i think i but... fucking hate that <laughs> I, hate, I hate that i'm setting myself a time setting myself aside some time to go through and watch his filmography again but we are digressing
1: <laughs> yeah sorry sorry I have strong feelings about David Lynch. Yeah, he, he only makes... It's only his first
0: movie, and it's, like, it only just hits the 60s. Sorry, so it only just hits the 70s, because he mo- he's mostly in the 80s and 90s, and yeah. now. Twin um, Peaks is awesome, but I will not have anything said about Twin Peaks, but...
1: No, I, I love Twin Peaks. I, I really do, and I love... I think my favourite thing about David Lynch is his uh, comedy. Yeah, he's so it's funny. Fucking, fucking kills me, is yeah. his hysterical. But yeah, as soon as you have somebody talking backwards in a small room with a dwarf, I'm just kind of like, oh, go fuck yourself with that.
0: Yo, I love it. It's pretty being it's... inside my <laughs> mind.
1: I hate it so much. <laughs>
0: um, but forget. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, also, we got, like, Halloween.
1: The beginning of Halloween, man. Yeah, I, I'm not a slasher fan. I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I'm a, I, that makes me a heathen in the the horror genre. I like monsters. Okay. I'm a monster person. I like monsters. I like creature features. I like ghosts and demons. Humans don't scare me. Um, unfortunately, uh, they should because humans are terrifying. Yeah. But uh, uh, I had a little bit of a uh, eccentric and kind of tricky upbringing, so humans don't humans don't scare me. I can handle them. But monsters on the other hand, that's that's a little bit outside my wheelhouse. So that's that's where I like to get scared. But yeah, can't mention some without mentioning Halloween, because it is it is fucking important and it's huge. It's like one of the biggest horror franchises.
0: Yep. It sure is, and obviously the Exorcist as well.
1: But Yeah, I would have to say probably my favorite out of the seventies, though, is the Exorcist. So the omen for me for the seven well
0: other than other than <laughs> you know the Wicker Man. Drop me the omen (laughs) (laughs) Damien it's all for you
1: (laughs) yeah for me it's it's gonna be uh, Exorcist and Dawn of the Dead those are my my top two for the 70s 70s is a great year it's hard to choose
0: actually but yeah Wicker Man is just you know special to me and then we've got the omen um, and the Exorcist is very close in there and you know Carrie as well but Carrie for different reasons yeah Anyway, let's move on, shall we, to the 80s? Right. So now horror is certifiably a back into popular culture. It's now a popular genre again. And with popularity tends to come uh, the copycats and the people that really shouldn't be making horror films and... Just basically absolute shite coming out. Can can anyone say Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan?
1: (laughs) That wasn't the 80s, though, was it? Yeah, it was. They made eight movies in one decade? Look it up. Gross! Okay, yeah, that's gross. Sorry. It's really, really gross. So... It's also
0: gross in, its, in regards to its treatment of women as sexual objects and complete fucking idiots. Okay, so we won't get into the chauvinism of, of 80s horror, okay, because we know, we know. But we're not going to get into it because we want to talk about fun fun things, we want to talk about the good stuff, so... What good stuff do we get in the 80s? Well, let me tell you. So much. So much stuff. So much stuff. Right. So the 80s is great. Okay. So let's just, I'm just going to whittle off a list here for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Thing, Hellraiser, An American Werewolf in London, The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist, Friday the 13th, Child's Play, Gremlins, Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, Dead Ringers. Come on. Right, so we've got got Cronenberg making his disgusting bodily horror. John Carpenter's making masterpieces. We've got. (laughs) Ramy. Ramy, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, just so much talent going on in the 80s. It's really hard to, to to just. It's really hard to compile a list that is concise enough without being typical. But it's just, you know what, they are classics and they are what they are and and they've been mentioned. Uh, The one I didn't mention that is glaring from the sidelines here is something that a lot of people might think is a bit overrated and some people might have a bit of a problem with. But I actually do admit that I like The Shining. Ah, yes. Okay, so it's been mentioned where it is, it, uh, but we don't need to talk on it. Um, Melanie's making that that's an overrated film. Face Turner told me when I was giving him my list of, of when I was sort of practicing on him before he goes. The Shining's a bit overrated. Yeah, I know, but for some reason I really like it,
1: and, well, and I just think it's worth mentioning. No, and and again, I don't, I don't actually think that it's overrated. I personally don't like it. That's my, my own personal thing. Um and then and again, as I we mentioned in the gothic uh gothic fiction episode, it's just like because I love the book so much. And also apparently uh Stanley Kubrick was a real piece of shit. Yeah, I
0: know. Um
1: to everyone involved, particularly poor Shelly Duvall. I so know. um, like he really tortured her and you can feel it. Uh so that's that's my big beef with The Shining. Was it uh, a great horror movie? Yes. I, I will tell you that, I mean, cinematically, you had shots, you had scenes, you had um, stills from that movie that will live on forever. You, I mean, the, the twins in the hallway, the elevator full of blood. So much of that is is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm and it was beautifully done and it was frightening and i will give it i will give it its dues but i personally uh think that movie should just go shit itself but that's fair that's enough to me
0: fair enough i've only mentioned it because i do for some reason despite knowing all of the shit that i know about the shining and all of you know i just for some reason i think i just think it's really good movie but anyway i do really like poltergeist though poltergeist
1: is brilliant this house is killing me yeah (laughs) well you know what else the 1980s brought what else did the 1980s bring your beautiful hostesses (sighs) oh yeah we were like
0: born then i was born in the 80s mid 80s which is um, why when we go to the 90s, we're going to go, like, Chuffin and Nora and start naming all of the, our favorite films. Because obviously we're 90s kids, so yeah. horror in the 90s is going to be our
1: thing. But. but see, the funny thing is, as I may have mentioned before, my father is a horror novelist. So when other kids were watching Barney or... Uh, you know, Little Mermaid, little, you know, Disney movies, I was watching Evil Dead too. and I was yeah. watching Child's Play and Tales of the Crypt as a very, very, very small child. So, like, these are my... Barney, this is my formative years. It's yeah, you're watching Scanners at the age of five. I'm <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Um, so, like... When it comes to 80s movies, my absolute favorite thing, uh, when I think of, for me, it's impossible to come up with, like, top five favorite horror movies. We we discussed this before recording. Like, it's fucking yeah. impossible. I love way too many of them. But there's one thing that I will tell you with absolute certainty that I know it's going to be the Evil Dead series. Yeah. Will always be my, if I had a top five of anything, and it always f- fluctuates, top five, Evil, Evil Dead series as one will will be in that top. I live for Evil Dead.
0: Um, there are a lot of good things to be said about eighties horror, um, and I think we've said quite a lot of it. Uh, I, I do I, well.
1: I've run out of things to say.
0: Shall well, we just but, move but, on to
1: the nineties? <laughs> just real, real quickly, as far as again, like important horror movies, uh, the thing. I know that you, you mentioned it, but I mean, that is that is such a hugely important movie. Not only does it really bring up the emotions behind some really strong social issues, but special effects wise was out of its fucking mind.
0: Yeah,
1: it's my mental. favorite. American Werewolf in London has some pretty good effects as well. Yeah, but I've always had a big beef with American Werewolves. What? Yeah, I have a, I got a problem with American werewolves. I just do. There's something that happens with, um, in other countries, they have a different idea of what a werewolf looks like, and in almost every horror movie, werewolf movie made by Americans, the werewolf is just a giant fucking wolf.
0: I don't know. I don't think the in American
1: Werewolf in London one. It's like a bloody wendigo. It's terrifying it just looked like a big wolf to me. It wasn't, it wasn't a manimal. See, I have this very specific idea of a werewolf in my head. And I've had this very specific idea of a werewolf in my head since I was very, very little. Um, and I've only ever seen it done right once. And that was with dog soldiers. Okay. Which is my favorite werewolf movie of all time. Right. Um, I love, I love American Werewolf in London. Don't get me wrong. It's got some of the best dialogue ever. <laughs> and the scene and where he transforms is mental. His transformation scene is glorious. Um, All the gooey gooiness. But as a fully formed werewolf, meh.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's talk, talk about the thing then. Talk about the thing, and that's disgusting. Now that is some
1: gooey, gross, crazy shit. I think, I got I think I must have been like four, maybe, when I saw first saw the scene of the um, the thing as the dog you know, coming out and, and becoming all the other dogs, and just, like, okay. killing all the other dogs in the kennel. This is making a lot of uh, things
0: about your life from this perspective <laughs> a bit, here. Yeah. You might have been traumatized as a small child.
1: Possibly, but I'm cute, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm a fairly well-formed uh, human. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Evil Dead... Evil Dead 2... My dad had some friends over and they were watching Evil Dead 2 and I must have been three, three, no, yeah, three or four. And it was, we had a two story home. I was upstairs in my bed and I heard the sound of, you know, the, you know, the sound of the, the evil kind of moving through the woods Mm -hmm. and it scared the shit out of me. So I'm up in my bedroom and I'm crying and I'm so scared. So my dad takes me and he takes me downstairs and sits me on his lap while they're watching Evil Dead 2. I am like four or five, three, three to five, somewhere in that age range. This is before I moved to uh, California. And I'm hearing all these terrified noises. It's like the middle of the fucking night. And they're watching Evil Dead 2 and they're all laughing because it's funny. It's a funny-ass movie. mm and at some point, I stopped crying and just started laughing with them. And I feel like that moment just sort of made
0: me who I am. <laughs> okay, the moment that you decided that you weren't going to be scared anymore.
1: Yeah, that that I could recognize that it was also funny, and that there that it was okay to be scary and funny at the same time. Okay. Um. Or to instead of yeah, instead of Screaming or crying when I'm scared, I just start cackling. So maybe that's that maybe that's a takeaway from that.
0: <laughs> Before we move on to the nineties, I just kind of want to uh drop in a little bit of what's going over here going on over here in the UK. So while the um the states are making all of these incredible films, um oh, there's loads going on over here as well. But this is the era of the video nasty. So if you've ever heard of the term video nasty, this is when it was all happening. The eighties And into the 90s, but most of the 80s, essentially, it's another one of those things where people who were religious and people that were in control of shit were banning stuff. Yeah. So things got banned, and people wanted to watch them anyway, and they found their way of watching them, and that's where you get your video nasties. It's essentially a VHS copy of a movie getting passed from pillar to post, from person to person to person 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 to person, and by the time you probably see it, I mean, I've not, I've not ever seen an actual video nasty in the form of its original VHS. Yeah. You know, I've not seen it, but apparently it can be quite a mess and there'll be bits where you can't even see because VHS tape degrades. Yes. Yeah. And if you watch it and rewind it and watch it and rewind it and watch it and rewind it so much, it, you, the film itself, just the, the quality of it depletes um i've seen films that were video nasties that have been now released because they're not banned films anymore yeah. i gone i can't believe that was banned and then i've watched ones that i've gone i know i agree that is so bad that should not have been ever shown <laughs> yeah <laughs> terrible the video nasties is where you get a lot of sort of horrible depictions of women as well so uh yeah, yeah. So we've got a—it's—it's it's a place where toxic masculinity runs rampant, but there's also a lot of creativity and a lot of really
1: fun gore going on in those video nasties. I can, you know, the first thing that popped into my head when you said video nasty, aside from the young ones, because that's—I just love that show, um, <laughs> uh, *Cannibal Holocaust*. Yeah, it's shit like that. Yeah. Ooh,
0: boy. yeah oh boy. N- oh boy. Not very politically correct quite offensive. Yeah. Things that kind of glorify
1: serial killers and shit like that, you're like... "Mm." Well, Cannibal Holocaust, I mean, they really tore the shell off a turtle. And they killed, like, actual animals in that fucking movie
0: yeah i know it's gross don't go out and seek out these things because there's a lot of them were banned for good reason yeah (laughs) it's not often i um
1: agree with the conservative right wing but campbell holocaust came out in 1980 so that was like right at the beginning Mm -hmm. oh man that one's a motherfucker um when did peter jackson start pumping out his fucked up movies that must have been the 80s right um are you talking about meet the feebles i think that might have been 80s Yeah. Okay. So Dead Alive is 1992. Maybe it was the 1990s. No, it was 89. 89 Meet the Feebles came out. So just before we move on to the the 90s. Mm -hmm. Most many, I I think I've only ever met two other people in my whole life who had seen Meet the Feebles that I hadn't shown it to. Mm -hmm. So Meet the Feebles is a must see film. If you're a sick, sick person, like I am was one of peter jackson's earlier films and peter jackson you may know from lord of the rings and all kinds of things like that but meet the feebles is basically muppets doing coke and porn and um vietnam flashbacks and heroin and uh it's horrendous it's the best the best (laughs) movie And again, that's another one I probably saw when I was like five years old.
0: Yeah, I actually have not watched it beginning to end. I've seen bits of it. I'm sorry, Melanie. I'm sorry. I'm wearing
1: a Meet the Feebles t-shirt right now just in honor of the conversation because it's my fucking favorite. I can sing every single song uh, from that movie on cue. Uh, That is my childhood in a nutshell. Yeah, that's my childhood in a nutshell is Meet the Feebles. Blimey. Maniacal grin.
0: Well, that was... (laughs) We're gonna move on from your fucked up childhood to your fucked up teenage years now.
1: Yay!
0: Because here we start going into the 90s, which is where three of my favorite horror films of all time come from the nineties. So I've had what one mention per decade maybe so far, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that. So wow. oh. Okay, so you may have noticed that we haven't gotten all the way through to the modern day just yet, and that is because Melanie and I went on a rant, and we recorded over two and a half hours of material about horror cinema. So what we have decided to do is bring out a two-parter. So this is the end of part one of Ooh. horror films, yeah? So... We actually are going to uh, give you a double the fun. So how's that? So
1: Melanie, if you want to give us the social medias. Okay. So we're not done yet. We'll see you in a week. But while you're waiting, if you would like to hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at zombiefishbowl or zombiefishbowl.com, please do so. Let us know what you liked about the decades that we covered or the decades to come. Uh, we got a lot to say. We had a lot to say. We're saying lots of stuff. we real excited. Um, if you have any topics that you would like us to cover, or if you want to throw out some information on topics that we covered or think that we're full of beans on, please send us an email at zombiefishbowl. Is it zombiefishbowl or zombie fishbowl podcast. Zombie fishbowl podcast. zombiefishbowlpodcast? zombiefishbowlpodcast. podcast at gmail.com. Or, again, on, on any of our social medias. Just, just, just do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for
0: listening. We're gonna skip the quote for this week since we have only had time to gather one and um, we'll put it on the end of the next one. Something for you to look forward to.
1: Uh, and also as a side note, this really worked out because we were actually going to skip a week. Yeah. Um and yeah. So <laughs> instead <laughs> of doing that, you get the full month of episodes. So yay! Yay, yay, yay.
0: Okay, so yeah. So all right. All right. I hope we've got a nice long list of films that you want to go off and watch based on what we've covered so far. And don't forget to bring your pad and paper for the next episode because there'll be loads more recommendations for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah so the only thing I've got left to say now is uh, Melanie, don't panic. <laughs>